Welcome to this week's Radiotherapy edition of Spin Cycle as we look back on the year that was in the news media, broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I am Jess Lilly and joined in the studio for the final time this year uh, by contributing editor to the monthly Rachel Withers. G'day, Rachel. Hi, Jess. And Crikey reporter Charlie Lewis. Hey, Evening. Charlie. How... Uh, I just put the wrong microphone on for you, Charlie, for the, for the <laughs> last time this year. I'm not coming in through year. in stereo, I think, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we've had some... Already had some slight headphone um, debacles, but no, we're good. Um, we've got no guests this week uh, as we gently rock back and forward with a, a cold compress pressed to our heads. Gentle hum emitting our, our lips. <laughs> and we force ourselves to look back mm. over a pretty hectic mm. year in news media. Would we say the most hectic it, or does it always feel maybe this it way always in the, in I the think there's, there's an element that year. always feels this way but it would be a strong argument this year in this terms of, of 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 sheer Pure chaos. It was 2016 and 2020. Yeah, yeah, no, true, true. I I have no memory, so (laughs) like everything always feels. It's still 2020, and it's still also somehow 2016. So, well, we Um, did we did drop the good news story of the year category. So yeah, yeah, because we couldn't. I mean, I, I made a note, but we'll we'll get to that if we have time. But we probably don't. Um. Uh, first, as we do every week at the moment, we want to start with the latest um, Committee to Protect Journalists figures from Gaza. It's an interesting one, though, this week. The CPJ is reporting 63 journalists and media workers killed as of yesterday, 56 Palestinian, four Israeli and three Lebanese. These figures are unchanged since last week, which should be great news. But during the week, um, three high-profile um, deaths of journalists were widely reported by um, reputable sources. Hanan Ayed, Ahmed Abu Abseh and Ahmed Abu Abseh were killed in Israeli airstrikes on southern Gaza and Abdul Karim Oday in a bombing of the Gaza Strip. So um, I'm just wondering whether they are waiting for verification or those figures are still yet to be updated. But um, as ever, this is um, the deadliest um, conflict for journalists in the history of reporting of such things. And if you want to know more, you can visit cpj.org. Um, we were sort of not going to talk about the new... Oh, you were going to say something, Richard. Oh, I was just going to add something that, that I saw um, and I'm going to pull it up now on this topic. Um, and it was something that I saw Benjamin Law share on Instagram and then I shared myself because that's how Instagram works. Um, <laughs> and it was a piece in Kill Your Darlings oh, yeah. from Amal mm-hmm. Awad, Um and there was just a quote that was being shared around about the journalists on the ground in Palestine. Mm. Um, and it said, journalists on the ground in Palestine are risking their lives to show the reality of what is not a, quote, war, but a crime against humanity. We need mainstream media in Australia sitting safe in newsrooms thousands of kilometres away to show some courage too. And I think that is a good segue into, and here, here, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the courage that um, people in Australia are expected to show is so so tiny compared to what people mm. over there are, are going through every day. I mean, I think we could add that to the long list of um, potential problems with the um, <laughs> journalistic um, uh, 
sort of the media landscape in Australia, shall we say? Oh, yeah, that's not a topic we talk about very often on this show. <laughs> um, just we even last week, the the response to one minister's sort of slight aggravation at a journalist um, uh, was enough to suggest, you know, maybe they need some hardening up, Rachel. <laughs> I mean, if 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 the attorney general pointing his finger at you. Uh, is enough for 24 hours of of news coverage and outrage. You probably do need to harden up a little bit. Um, We weren't going to talk too much about this week's news stories, just a very quick um, pricey of them all. But that is a good segue into one that was covered by your colleague Cameron Wilson at um, Crikey. Yes, with Anson at uh, Latouf. Yes, no, it's it's a a fascinating and... um, I guess, fractious story that's been bubbling in the background for a very long time now, which is the footage that was um, put out by the Australian Jewish Association, which is, I think it's very important to to Mm. make clear, not really a group that... um, has a great deal of credibility, I suppose, in in this area, and I think even, fairly even, radical. Yeah, and and, and a, a very very culture war kind of oriented. They were they were the guys that um, made sure that the hammermas bag was banned in Australia. So you know, they, they, we can't say that they've not achieved anything. Um, <laughs> Some effective campaigning, though. So essentially, um, on, on depending how you look at it. <laughs> On October 9, um, pro-Palestinian uh, protesters gathered in front of this Sydney Opera House uh, mm-hmm. to essentially, which, which was being lit in uh, blue and white in solidarity with, with Israel um, after the, the horrific attacks uh, that Hamas uh, conducted on October 7. Um, and there was allegedly a lot of, well, actually, let's, let's say, let's say there is, it's now uncontested fact that there was some quite grotesque um, anti-Semitic chanting at this, mm-hmm. which was of a, a certain class. It, I, I, I don't want to repeat it, actually, mm-hmm. to be honest. But the um, I don't actually want to repeat what is well, any of it, unfortunately. But 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 the um, is the piece unlocked? Can people see it if they? I, are not I believe so. I, we've, we've recently put in place a new um, paywall structure, which I think means you can read a couple of our pieces before mm, we lock mm, you out. Mm. Uh, but please do support um, independent <laughs> media in Australia. Yeah, I just, yeah. Uh, it's, um, hard, it's probably hard without the context. But yeah, so something was alleged to have been said that was that was really, really, that was, really, the, really, the, really bad. That actually qualified as a genuine incitement to violence against yes. uh, against Jewish people. Yes. Um, Whereas something really, really, really bad was said. Yes, that's which important. Yeah, I think that there's the, yeah that, that that was not coming from nowhere. But mm-hmm. the, basically, the uh, it's never been verified whether the the more serious chanting actually took place. Um, and the, the piece that um, Antoinette and and my colleague Cameron did basically details that process in terms of the fact checking that went into trying to verify whether this has actually happened. So they've they've investigated. They've asked for um, the raw footage, haven't yeah, they, yeah, to yeah. to confirm because it was put on put that the one the um, footage with the mm, the really severe chant, which mm. which made international news headlines. Yes, yes. Let's um, add it was it went absolutely viral around the world. Um, came from the AJA. Yes, that's right. And uh, the analysis that was undertaken from that by um, RMIT, their, their, their fact-checking, cross-check uh, program, uh, 
found a number of signs that this had been edited in in, in a certain way. So, so pra- the chanting was overlaid. It wasn't actually... The, the, well, the, well, we can't say that for sure. We can say the that... Allegation the allegation is that... That, the, that... it showed several signs that the audio did not sync up with the footage that okay. was being shown yeah. and that there had been editing of some sort that had taken place. That That is what the analysis kind of indicated. Um, we, uh, Crikey uh, asked several times whether we could see the, the raw footage mm-hmm. or whether there'd been any editing taking place. That They didn't respond to that. They, and there was no other footage that has become available from there, anyone else as, as far as with I'm, those chats. As far as I, as I know, there is no... There is no Secondary verification yeah. available for the particularly well, no one's p- produced any footage. No, and and and, and as I say, prote- protesters on the pro-Palestinian side have conceded that they heard the the lesser of the charges mm. being chanted by people, and they asked those people to leave. So there is there are concession that there is verification for one level and, yeah. and not for well, another. Well, I mean, that's the issue with with a whole bunch of of the, the misinformation we're dealing with with this. Well, with this war, but with with everything with, online with right all now, of everything forever. Yeah. yeah, but but you know, I think it is important that even as things are debunked, we also remember um, the the less serious. Ele- <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah, it's important not to go full conspiracy mode and go the whole thing is made up. No, no, there no, was there was that. absolutely there was anti-Semitic yeah. chanting yes. at yeah. that event, and that is you know hard. Yes, and pro-Palestinian protesters have made a point who were at that event. The organisers mm. made a point of saying we kicked them out as yeah, soon yeah. as we heard that. But this actual edit well this actual footage that was edited um by aja and supplied by aja and they haven't actually been able to produce the raw footage and the footage itself the visuals look the same as um footage that was um published by news organizations as Mm -hmm. well so whether Mm -hmm. it was taken by an independent you know um um, you know, photographer or whatever, who and then yeah, or, given or to a number of organisations yeah. and independent observer. It does look the same as footage that's appeared on other on other channels. Without that, you know, it doesn't seem that there's any other evidence mm, of mm. footage taken at the same location with those chants, which is a pretty um, potentially that that sort of the allegation is that the footage was doctored. Could have been doctored. That there, that, yes, certainly that there are there are um, indications that it has been edited. Mm. Shall we say? Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, I, I just have to say here, in amongst all of this terrible news and and you know a really in many ways shameful year for the media um, and a scary year to be online. Like the work Crikey has been doing in this space is phenomenal. Oh, thank you, Rachel. I, I'm, I'm very proud to call those guys my colleagues. Yeah. Yes. Especially given um, the um, in the year of defo, where you found yourselves earlier in the year, but we'll talk about yeah, that later. Yeah, that's true. That, that's a big umbrella that, that we had a small part underneath. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I want to say about this is like, you know, th- as you said before, there is the, the you know, there's a grey areas. The truth is always somewhere in between all of these areas and there's no, it's, you know, that there, there was... Um, at, at a lot of these protests, there have been um, inflammatory things said and done. But mm-hmm. I f- find this really sort of cynical um, manipulation of the media, you know, needs to be... I, I would really hope that this is something that other media organisations investigate after this as these questions have been raised. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like... You know, this is a story that really did go everywhere around the world. This was covered by all the mainstream media, news um, 
New York Post, uh, Fox News, Reuters. Yeah. Reuters did, just, did make it clear that it wasn't verified. Are but. you are you asking the media to reflect? <laughs> no, I'm asking them to investigate. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm you asking had to reflect them first. <laughs> yes, well, I'm just asking them to have some freaking integrity, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. And I just think I just think that's a very it's a big ask. And you know, um, uh, let's at least draw a line in the sand. And when you're supplied with edited footage, and then you go and uh, republish that on your your platform to a very wide audience who might trust you if that edit if that footage edited footage has been found to also have been doctored allegedly not saying that that is conclusive but um, that's what this investigation points to that that you would then pursue that and also share I, that yeah. with your audience I, I think it's you know? very fair to require that you um, have really verified yeah to your own satisfaction to a very high degree uh, any footage of that sort before you publish it and say that uncritically it happened um before we go into the year that was should we just do a very quick roundup of some other news stories of the week uh sure yeah i mean well, obviously we've got the ongoing and uh, there's, there's quite a few things that i think probably we just have to mention and move on because they are ongoing processes um the obvious one is uh the bruce lemon trial the defamation case that he has brought against network 10 and lisa wilkinson kind of Continues apace. We saw Lisa Wilkinson in the dock, um, and I saw, I don't know, a lot of people on Twitter being very impressed by her performance. Um, great suits. That's all I get yeah, out of the Herald Sun. Great, great wardrobe. Uh, the bolo tie, which I thought was yeah. a real, you know, uh-huh. um, a, a, a choice. Yeah. Um, we have obviously kind of more and more allegations coming out against uh, veteran broadcaster Alan Jones, which of course he vehemently demonized and almost certainly will pursue defamation action of his own um, as a result of. But those 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 um, allegations continue. Um, and we saw that obviously the, the departure of Maurice Schwartz from um, from Schwartz Media, um, which is again another thing that is sort of in process. Uh, is that is that all that happened this week? Have we got anything else? I I, I don't know. I think there was um... Rachel. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't going to say anything on the Schwartz topic as a employee no, of yeah, we... Schwartz Media, but um, I think I do want to. Um, make a quick point um, that a few, a very small number of people have made on on Twitter uh, this week and on social media is that is that Maori made a massive, massive contribution to the Australian media, mm. uh, whatever your various issues with, with Maori Schwartz might be, um, that we are very, very lucky to have in this country the Saturday paper and the monthly and the quarterly essay um, and and black ink and black ink yeah. and uh, uh, Jewish yeah. quarterly um, and yeah I, and I think I think it's it's unfortunate um, that that he didn't get his sort of his moment to be applauded for what he did uh, because of the timing of the and the you know people draw their conclusions about why he has stood down exactly when he has but I think it's very important um, and it's very sad that he's not going to get his moment. Triple R on FM, digital, online, on demand, podcasts and via the app. So I'm just going to do this run through. You guys can just sit back and have a little drink because this is going to take a while. I started this and then just went, oh, my God, I've created something for my back. But I really want to acknowledge um, all the amazing people that we've had in this year. 
Uh, we began the year with uh, investigative reporter Louise Milligan and a discussion on her corn- Four Corners investigation, Purity and Education Over Time. Matilda Bosley talked about legacy media grappling with youth audiences after the demise of Australia's very short lived youth imprint, The Oz. James <laughs> Oten shared the life of an ABC foreign coro uh, from his perspective um, working in Japan. Alan uh, Kohler poured one out for oh, interest yeah, rate God. rises <laughs> <laughs> and um, the Reserve Bank. Spoo hiss. Um, music journal Ben Madden joined us to discuss Dickie Fingers and the Byron Bay Blues Fest uh, disaster. Uh, when uh, Kelly Jane Keane rode into town, Trans Justice Project. Project Director Jackie Turner joined us to discuss how media reports on trans issues. Dennis Muller joined us not once but twice to discuss <laughs> ethics in journalism here and abroad, which is just an ongoing topic, so I'm sure he'll be back. Criminology PhD Joss Thorburn came in to discuss incel culture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this show sounds really good. <laughs> I should listen to this. Guys check us out. <laughs> Uh, Bridget Brennan was deeply powerful when she spoke to us about this year's Four Corners investigation into missing and murdered First Nation women and just into um, representation of um, First Nation and, and in, uh, in Indigenous reporters in general in our media landscape. In April, Ben Abitangelo dialed in from Darwin with some very prescient thoughts about where the voice campaign was headed. Uh, of course, it wouldn't be a year in spin cycle without Crikey's Cam Wilson and The Guardian's <laughs> Amy Ramikas dropping by, and both of them did. Cam to talk about conspiracies, and um, Amy uh, talked to us about RoboDebt. Sarah Krasnerstein was in early this year to talk about the train murders in Willabilla, which we then, uh, which she covered in an amazing um, article for the monthly. Uh, and then we covered that again in more detail recently um, with the Australian Sarah Alks. Uh, and her investigation with gun control more broadly. That was Sarah's second conversation with us for the year after one of my all-time favourite ever (laughs) (laughs) conversations on air about her investigation into the the secret lives of Warren Inch, and I just think that should be a musical already. (laughs) Um, Sally Young talked to us about uh, her Murdoch book, Media Monsters. It wasn't just Murdoch. It was all the media barons of the 20th century. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the... I feigned reading that book more than, <laughs> more than I actually Whereas did. I actually... So now I've been caught out. I thought I got away with it. Uh, Mark Finnell talked about his SBS Pente- Pentecostal documentary, The Kingdom. Kamina Lyle talked to us about trauma reporting or um, sort of secondhand trauma from um, um, lots of traumatic media events. And I think we might need that again, given what we're experiencing right now. Charles Livingston talked to us about gambling advertising earlier in the year and then more recently we chatted to The Guardian's Natasha May after their brilliant investigation into the impacts of um, uh, gambling advertising. Uh, reporter Nick Fike joined us to talk about whistleblower protections and then Eddie Lloyd, Eddie Lloyd, Eddie Floyd came in mm. more recently uh, in place of whistleblower David McBride to talk about his specific case. We were given hope for the future early in the year. I don't know if you remember this, Charlie. I by, remember this so distinctly. <laughs> yes, by Victorian Youth Press Gallery members Aidan Sinclair and Saskia Deloya Carl. And 
I remember we were sort of sneaking our beer into <laughs> mugs because their parents arrived. <laughs> and we were like, and oh, they, God. But, but also, that, I mean, like there were so many lovely details there of um, the, the, the parents with their phones taking photos as they're being interviewed. And so Saskia being like, oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> Every part of that just made my, yeah, made my week. I know, so that was beautiful. Um, Rachel, your mate, Xavier George. <laughs> Love it. As soon as I said his name, shared what it was like to become the news after appearing on a hilarious SBS Insight episode. Oh, actually, this is relevant right now. It was kind of like the boomers versus Gen Gen Z. And yeah. Now that we've got the Gen Z party, which we failed to mention in our news wrap up of the week, maybe he can come back as the. Um... He could be the, the the influencer. Oh no, he was the millennial, not the Gen Z. That's, That's right. true. Yeah. Mm. Um, the uh, ever-wonderful Laura Tingle dropped by for our Radiothon show. Natalie Felix gave us one of um, the most moving conversations mm-hmm. of the year uh, after that um, awful trans panic spotlight show spotlight on episode. Channel yeah, 7. Yeah, yeah. Carla Grant and Daniel, ja- Daniel James swung by at the height of the voice madness. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carla um, talked Carla about... so great. Yeah, yeah her, a really great documentary about the Sami... Uh, voice um, in, in a way, yeah, 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 and just the conversation that we had with Daniel was just brilliant. And honestly, like Daniel showed the mission this year on Tuesdays, seven pm, um, same time, different day, has been just phenomenal throughout the whole, you know, never-ending voice kind of ups and downs. The guests who have been on the mission mm. and and the, those conversations, it's just so well worth going back and listening to them if you can. Um, Mianjin editor Esther Anatolidis has been a wonderful co-host from time to time and uh, joined us uh, with Eugenia Flynn, who edited Spring Mianjin, which was dedicated to Indigenous writers and poets. The ages Nick McKenzie, who has been... He's had a year. Oh, my God. <laughs> like so many stories. Um, of course, he won his defamation mm. case brought against him. Well, against, against Nine Smith. and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, but then he also broke that amazing investigation into Mike Pizzullo. Which... Yeah, that, that was the funny thing. Like, we were talking about That's this what beforehand. That's we had him on for. Yeah. Where it was like we had Nick McKenzie on this year and it wasn't even to talk about <laughs> Robert Smith. That's how good a year that guy had. Yeah. <laughs> um, Australian-Palestinian Advocacy Network President Nasser Mashni um, very generously came and talked to or talked to us at the beginning of the Israel-Gaza conflict, uh, and you know that was a, a, a brilliant conversation to at least give some sort of historical context to what is happening. And it's kind of, it's incredibly depressing that we're still here and and can't really see much of a way out of it still. Uh, Quirky media reporter Dani Saeed mm. has joined us twice. And he became a, like a friend of the show he's, very, I reckon very swiftly. Yeah. He's going to just slide on in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Rachel Withers just <laughs> became a permanent fixture in the studio. He's never left. <laughs> Showed up about four months ago and I'd, I've been living in this room ever since. Came and did a fill-in and has never left and... And we are very, truly lucky for that. Najma Sambul from uh, Age Reporter Najma Sambul was here strong at the beginning of the year um, and will be back at some point. The door is always open. And, and the, also the Spin seasons. Cycle OG, like, lineup member. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also uh, Adam Christou, um, 
producer has been just the triple R people who work tirelessly behind the scenes. Oh, all yeah, of these yeah. shows amazing. Adam, thank you so much. Kirby Ferry, uh, who is um, producing at the moment. Our podcast editor, Alex Barron, amazingly gets the podcast up you know, pretty much within a couple of days every week, which is incredible. If you ever miss a show, hit up our podcast and just follow and like anyway. I think that's how podcasts work. <laughs> um, and we love our general defender of freedom of speech and all-round programming legend, Beck Hornsby. And um, I just wanted to get all of that done at the beginning of the show so because we always yeah. run out of yeah. time. <laughs> so, so I don't go home going, ah, oh, shit. Shit, we forgot to say. But what an amazing year. list. I mean, you know, it's Thursday night and we're often a little bit loopy and tired when we get here Um, and you you feel like you're you're at the end of the week and maybe you didn't really do much and then you read out that list and I'm like, wow, that's all really important stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was there for like half of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you make a good point about the the Thursday loopiness element to this. there is a sense that, yeah, but I never come out of this studio not feeling a little bit energised mm, and a little bit more yeah. optimistic about the state of the world and, and most particularly the, the state of my profession, mm. <laughs> that there are actually very, very intelligent, thoughtful people doing incredibly important work in every corner of this country and that, that we should never lose sight of that given that this, this, this show does often get a bit gloomy, you know, mm. um, well, which it, I think is what it's for. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's about uh, holding things to account, but... It is always nice to look back at that list and go, God, that's some very good work came out of those people this mm. year. Oh, there's some amazing people working in journalism mm. in this country. It's just, you know, and we are so lucky to have them. There's also some real duds. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's important that we point that out too. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of duds. <laughs> did anyone wow, see that? No, did anyone I love see, this segue. Did anyone right? see the Margot Robbie um, yeah, page? Yeah, 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 they, yeah. they used her image from mm. um, the Big Short in the tub. Oh, can you explain that? Because I only vaguely saw it. Well, it's a good segue to like a big media story and also like duds. But it was a picture (laughs) of Margot Robbie from The Big Short. Um, And it's it's a scene in which she explains something about shorting or finances or, you know. Um, And they use that for a front page talking about um, why the government's new IR laws that got through at the end of last week were duds. Um, and people were immediately like, it, it was Thursday night when they tweet out the front page for the next day. And about 50 people were immediately like, do you know that Margot Robbie is like a massive unionist? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. she has been, she did like videos for unions when she was on Neighbours. She's still in the NEAA. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, she joined oh, the picket amazing. line during yeah. the, the recent um, SAG after writers, actors strike. Like yeah. everyone was just like, did you not? Google Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. like famous unionist Margot yeah. Robbie, and you're using her to make an anti-union I'd, point. I'd, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to see what she thought of that. Because oh, people, people no were chance. like, she should sue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a it's a front page of a West what, Australian, but yeah, and it's also one of those things where it's like I, I never want to encourage anyone to sue a publication no. in this country. Like, but it, but I would like her to use her incredible. Um, she should make a point about about the IR say, reforms actually, and what she yeah. actually thinks of them because they should not be using her image, a sexualized. No image of her to uh you know make implications about IR reforms that she might have somehow endorsed their editorial line on this yeah she should just deeply take the piss out of them really (laughs) she should do a video in the tub where she explains the IR laws (laughs) and why they're whatever she actually thinks of them (laughs) triple r 
All right. Well, now <laughs> we'll move on to talking about the year that was in media. I mean, we've sort of been doing that ever since we walked into this room. But um, these two said to me at the pub just before, you know, like what what's like the the story of the year? <gasps> Sorry to interrupt. Oh. I, sh- I forgot oh. to say the biggest other biggest character in our year is the Lomond. Oh, of course, the wonderful pub that we prepare our show in. Right, yeah, because yeah, that, these are things. Yeah. At 5 o'clock every Thursday we don't have a show. <laughs> By 6.30 we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks So that's where we've just come from, from yeah. the lovely Lomond. Um, and anyway, we were talking about the year that was and, and your, your mind sort of goes all over the place. Um, but the, the one overarching umbrella of 2023 and media gossip or media news stories uh, was defamation Mm, and of course defamation is a theme every year in the Australian media because we have horribly plaintiff favoring defamation laws in this country but this year we saw three really 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 big cases Mm. in which overconfident white men decided (laughs) to take on the media and it didn't go well Hubris and defo do not mix. Well, let, I mean, actually, let that the, be a PSA. But the thing is, is that it, it 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 usually does. It usually does. You can see how they became confused. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the um, the the defining one. The, 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 I mean, the this, defining one. Ooh. <laughs> Here we go. Which one? <laughs> well, I think I think it's probably the the biggest defamation case probably oh, in Australian media history, which is yeah. Ben Robert Smith versus the, the the nine papers that was obviously mm. going on for. For many, many years. Ben Robert Smith slash Kerry Stokes slash. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that, that is the thing is it wasn't it wasn't just that he was obviously viewed as a as a kind of national hero of sorts and someone who was um, you know a, 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 have the most decorated living soldier in Australia. Um, he also had a, yeah a huge coterie of very very powerful people um, on his side. Do you think they'll make a movie out of this? Well, there's already. I, oh, I there's noticed a special, this week there's a, Netflix the, there's a, a, a Stan mm-hmm. documentary that I'll, I'll have to catch up on at some but point. But I'm talking but. like a, a like a, um, you know, like a Rachel Australian <laughs> doesn't make films yeah, anymore. You yeah. silly Billy. I was just sitting here going. I was just sitting here going. What would it be called? The Long Day of Defo. The Defo. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would play Ben Robert Smith? Oh, Craig McLaughlin. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Um, uh, moving on, on from Charlie. that. Um, yeah. Speaking of defo. Uh, yeah, so he brought um, a defamation suit against uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age and the Canberra Times for reporting that Nick McKenzie and Chris Masters had done, um, accusing him essentially of, of, of murder and and war crimes. And, and I, stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I mean, and, and as the kind Just of... Just everyday... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. of crime. So in Ju- June of this year... Um, uh, Justice Basanko, uh, who was was um, overseeing the case, found that Nine had essentially um, substantially established that their reporting had been factually correct. Um, so that is a that is a huge moment in, as you say, an inc- extremely plaintive friendly uh, jurisdiction to sue and fail to win is obviously a huge huge moment. On that, because I think I think one thing that we always that doesn't necessarily like come up enough. Is actually yeah the, the the courage of those two journalists in particular, um, uh, Chris Masters and Nick McKenzie, and and the papers that back them because ultimately mm. to undertake reporting of that you basically you guarantee that you're going to be sued you can't accuse someone of war crimes in Australia. Well, we've seen a lot and of settling if, even since then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, know? absolutely, absolutely, mm. and uh, my- and knowing that he had quite a powerful group behind him and knowing. 
presumably quite a bit about his temperament. They would have had to know mm. there's no way. I mean, there's the, 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 there is no way that any human being can be accused of war crimes and be like, well, I'm going to let that one slide. You know, freedom of the press. They they kind of like so. They staked, you know, million, tens of millions of, of resources in a very, very tight market for journalism. Uh, yeah, and and, the- and they're basically their reputation as a news producing outlet. If you're if you're proven wrong on this, if they can if they can say your your reporting on this was sh- you sh- you came up with a shoddy, slipshod, poorly put together report, and you accuse someone of war crimes, your credibility is shot for the I rest of your career. People have like, like media outlets have lost. War crimey definitions. <laughs> I think as well, though, you've got to remember yeah. as well, though, what is published is generally the tip of the iceberg. I mean, they've already mm. been incredibly cautious. Only the stuff that's been legal yeah. to the nth degree. Sure, sure, they've sure, probably sure. seen but- a huge amount of evidence that didn't make it to publication and they've been very selective about that evidence. So you are, yes, you're rolling, you're rolling the dice, but you have to know that the odds are... In your favour. I mean, I don't think that they would have known that. Well, I don't I mean, think they would have. But if you if you had the kind of evidence they had, and clearly yeah, they, they did, because they won. Come on, remember the trial. There's bravery, and then there's oh, most oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mind blowing every day. The <laughs> stuff that was coming out of that. I mean, one thing I do like about one thing I love about defamation trials. Nothing, <laughs> not a sentence I thought I'd start, but uh, that how public they are. Because obviously, mm. a lot of in criminal trials, a lot of the evidence doesn't quite make it to the public, and yeah, you know, yeah. there's. Yeah. It's oh, it so much more buttoned yeah. down, hmm. but you know, it's just like it's just like everyone's just squidding themselves on full display <laughs> in a defamation case. And the things that you know, like I, there were a couple of moments in that trial, like um, when everyone crashed the, you know, for the f- first time ever, the amount of people that were that were, went online mm-hmm. to watch the delivery of the verdict, and it's, it's like a national pastime watching <laughs> defamation <laughs> proceedings. And I mean. Do, to move on to I mean, a, another of these major defamation proceedings that is still ongoing, which is Bruce Lerman yes. versus Channel mm. 10, um, you know... That's it, not what I'm enjoying so no, much. No, no, but it, it is it is just you, you open any media website, any news website, and there will be a live blog dedicated yeah. to it and, and, mm-hmm. and people are watching it and, and you know, Everyone's some of us have full-time jobs <laughs> and I'm not quite sure how people who don't work in media are spending all their time watching it. But uh-huh. I, I went to my local cafe a couple of weeks ago and my lovely barista, Meg, uh, I shouldn't name her, uh, <laughs> my, my barista, um, she she doesn't Smeg. mind because I, Gem. <laughs> I tweeted this conversation and she said, I was home all day yesterday. It was my day off. I watched nothing but the, tr- the defamation proceedings. And so I've brought my laptop to work today so that I may watch the proceedings while I'm not making coffee. And I tweeted this and it, it went really well. And then I walked in there the next day. She's like, did you tweet about me? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't put your name in at all the cafe. And she said, no, another customer was like, this has to be about you. And she loved it. Um, but it's just like, the, 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 like this is this is like barista co- topic. This is water cooler conversation. I guess the difference for me between these two cases, every little blow-by-blow blow detail being made public, is very few people are put on trial for war crimes. <laughs> and very p- yeah, few people... It's, it's quite a, famously a bit of a high standard of... Yeah. Very few people are in the position that Ben Robert Smith was in and uh, that investigation is incredibly unique and, you know... It is one of those sort of very much in the public interest 
massive, could have, you know, a mm. massive influence in the way that our military organisations operate and the way that we revere the military and all that sort of stuff. When it comes to sexual assault um, charges, what we know in this country is that very few cases even make it to charges, let alone to court, let alone are successful. And I'm finding it less and less um, enjoyable mm. to see yeah. every detail of this being raked over. Yeah. It is, and uh, and you know every the, every with every sort of. Um, defamation proceeding that Bruce Lerman brings, um, you know, let's all remind ourselves that he brought this against Channel 10. You know, once again, Brittany Higgins is um, cross-examined, in this instance her family, her parents, and it just feels like once um, whatever happens, like I just don't, there are no winners in this case ever again in the future of this case, whatever happens, mm-hmm. and also in the future. Lives have been ruined. Yeah, yeah, and continue to be so, and, and there just doesn't seem to be an end to this. And once we look back on this, I just think it will go down in history as an example of how not to cover or report on or progress the, um, you know, the, the the kind of successful um, prosecution of sexual assault at all. Yeah, you know? I mean, but the thing is with, with this case, and I think it's a point I've been making for three years now, is that it long ago stopped being about Brittany Higgins and Bruce Lerman and this particular night in um, 2019. 2019, yeah. Um, it, it is a culture war. Um, oh, and, yeah. And the oh, fact yeah. that... This didn't just, um, you know, spark the reckoning in Parliament that that Higgins intended to spark, and then and then go back to being a private matter, and you know, a criminal trial that wouldn't didn't need to be covered in the way that it was, and then of course we've ended up now with a defamation trial that arguably isn't public interest either. Um, it's all about this culture war and this like backlash to Me Too, and 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 you know, I, I'm not putting words in in her mouth but Janet Albrechtson who, who mm. writes for The Australian who is obsessed with this case has sort of said this is about Me Too went too far and we are putting it back in its place. Benita Arndt and ja- Janet Albrechtson. Mm. 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 There mm. should, should be mushrooms that they have to crawl back onto from whence they came um, and that's my personal opinion not the opinion of Tripler. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was another defamation case. Mm. Brought by one Lachlan, <laughs> Lachlan Murdoch against uh, a little for, for, against a little blog, I hear. Yeah, a teensy weensy <laughs> little blog that just does its best. Um, I, I I do owe you uh, a um, a broadcast apology, Charlie, because <laughs> the number of times you had to cajole me into talking about it. <laughs> no, there were times when earlier this year, and I, I think it's worth saying the impact that these cases have isn't just on you know in this instance. It was against um, Crikey, but Ber- mm. Bernard Keane and and Crikey, yeah. um, but it did have an impact on you. Obviously, you it, it stressed you out enormously, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I you were very you know you 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 when there were interviews that even were tangentially related to Murdoch, you oh, I mean, well, you I mean, ran from this. It's like that scene in Forrest Gump where he runs down the driveway, <laughs> out the driveway, and down the road. I'm, I'm sorry, Charlie Jess, couldn't run faster. It was a couple of weeks after he had announced his case against us, and we were interviewing his biographer, his unauthorized biographer. <laughs> you tangentially related to the case. Nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, no, I mean, it was, uh, look, it was it was a hell of a time, and yes, no, he he brought he brought legal um, 
he brought defamation charges against us, uh, against our political editor, Bernard Keane, um, uh, Peter Frey, the editor-in-chief at the time, um, our CEO, Will Hayward, and our owner, Eric Beecher, um, all, all for a, um, a an opinion piece that uh, Bernard had written um, about the January 6th uh, hearings in which he used the phrase uh, Murdoch is an unindicted co-conspirator of the of the riots uh, that happened on January 6th mm. of afflicting the Capitol building. Um, didn't re- didn't refer to, to Lachlan Murdoch by name and actually wasn't but any any reasonable reader could 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 quite easily establish that was referring to Rupert Murdoch, um, not Lachlan. And Rupert famously never sues. Uh, but but uh, essentially for this opinion piece, um, yes, he, he he sued us for defamation, and in in April of this year, ended up withdrawing that case. Um, but I think largely we we, we were um, done a great service by the uh, Dominion website in the US, uh, mm. the Dominion well, uh, lawsuit oh, in the, right. in the yeah. US. Uh, the voting systems that were that were impugned on Fox uh, News, where they had to basically settle for hundreds of millions of dollars. Again, in a very, the, America is the exact uh, negative image of Australia's <laughs> defamation case. If you sue someone for defamation as a relatively public figure in the US, you almost have no chance of winning. Mm. The fact that they that that, that company won. Um, probably said a lot and and i think a lot of uh discovery was being was being avoided well um, i mean that's what they that's what people said at the time about that was, discovery that was, that was speculation avoided. i mean obviously we can't know for sure but uh, that was the speculation but it's so interesting then that these um other two cases we've just discussed went ahead despite what was going to mm. come out it's it is the, yeah, the yeah, opposite I, of of the the murdochs didn't go ahead because particularly in the case of i mean uh, uh, particularly in the case of Ben Robert Smith, where it was year after year, you kept having to pinch yourself and remind yourself that you were finding these things out. These new allegations mm. were coming to light because, because of, of a process de- yeah. that Ben Robert Smith had himself initiated. He was, yeah. yeah, so you could say the Murdochs were quite uh, sensible. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the, the, their argument was that, that we were using it as a commercial prospect and they didn't want to help that any further well, and they, they were very sure that they would have won mm, so that's, that's, I mean, that's 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 what his yeah yeah uh, that wasn't what our view was on, on well i guess the difference they're, they're with the murdochs is as well is like they've got shareholders to consider they've got you know they are fronting this enormous corp- media corporation whereas you know ostensibly ben robert smith and bruce lemon are representing themselves as individuals um so you know it's i guess it's that's your choice to yeah. Do that to yourself and, well, and roll that mm. dice. Um, do you think, I mean, both of you speaking from, you know, your experiences in newsrooms and having conversations with colleagues since then, does de- do the defamation laws in Australia, especially given this year it was just, it's been constantly mm. part of our, you know, news landscape, do they um, negatively impact what newsrooms are willing to publish or does it make 100%. for a more robust... Not, not, no. No, no hesitation. It 100% impedes uh, reporters in this country. Well, whether you think that's for, for good reasons or bad, it just is an inarguable fact that it yeah, suppresses reporting. Oh, I mean, it, it has been that way for some time, but I think what's interesting is this year and having these, um, especially the Ben Robert Smith case having the media win is such an unusual feeling mm. and and yeah and i actually found our interview we did a few weeks ago with michael bradley from mark lawyers very helpful because i said to him has something changed there is a new public interest defense that 
defamation law has changed slightly, but like, has something changed? Has the balance shifted in favour of media organisations? And he said, no, it's just that you've seen a couple of people who endless amounts of hubris. And possibly um, had bad advice when they yeah, engaged in these. And, yeah. and so, yeah, it, just because it's been a arguably good year for the media in defamation proceedings, it doesn't mean that the law is, no, is, is better. It's and I, not. It, it, what, I think, I mean, this is, um, I'm, I'm slightly stealing a point here from, from Bernard again, actually, who wrote recently about how defamation is now a new front in the culture wars to some degree. Uh, and I think actually we see this on both sides of the of the of the political spectrum here lot more 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 frequently from the right but we've seen left-wing figures do it too uh people who for um reasons beyond just uh, their reputation are uh, engaging in defamation. I mean, we saw Peter Dutton sue uh, Shane Bazzi, a, 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 um, a figure on Twitter. Uh, calling and, him a rape apologist. Yeah, yeah. Um, he lost. Yes. He won and then he lost. <laughs> yeah. mm. um, but we also saw, you know, for example, Maureen Faruqi um, uh, suing Pauline Hanson. Um, we saw uh, the, the um, oh my God, I'm... The I'm Sydney really... MP? Yes, Alex Greenwich. Alex Greenwich, yes, Mark against, Latham. against Mark Latham. Um, and in, in both cases, you could argue that all of this is, is, is slightly a cultural war kind of front in one way or another. Um, well, I think people, I think, I think, and, and we heard it earlier when I suggested that Margaret Robbie <laughs> should sue the West Australian. Um, people like when, if they think that someone... Has a good they case. admire has been defamed. They are like, mm. yeah, sue them. Mm. Um, and and you know, I think people had a lot of maybe Schadenfreude is the wrong word, but but when Alex Greenwich announced he was suing Mark Latham, people were like, good, get that mm. homophobe. Um, oh. Yeah, he tweeted something very, very, very homophobic. Oh, it was vile. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was vile. Yeah, it was yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and and so sometimes is defamation. When individuals are suing individuals over horrible things they've said, are they not then? Is do we not? sort of respect that kind of defamation i'm not sure because look you you can't allow mark latham to say the sort of things that he said you can't you can't just let that go unchallenged if yeah. you are alex greenwich and and look i i i, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. try and uh defer good <laughs> well that's the thing is that I, th- I think that's the thing is that my my sort of sense is as a very core principle i i think Defamation in law in Australia is broken, and yes. no one who wants a thriving public space should engage in it, unless they absolutely have to. And I, I th- th- yeah, that's just my view. That's my view. Yeah. But I, how do we I, how do we protect I, I, against the I, sort I, of things that that Pauline Hanson has? No, sorry, sorry. Mark Latham ended up paying out a lot of money to um, Osman Fruki. Osman Fruki, yeah. Um, uh, how do you stop these people saying these things? Especially in the what? age of disinformation where, mm. you know, it's basically anything goes until until the legal system is used in that way. I think, yeah, I mean, I think that... Um I think that the the but the problem with defamation law is that it is it is often wrangled by the least deserving mm. to and used mm. to it's silence. Used to silence the media yeah. and, and silence Yeah. You yeah. know, reporting that it is it is built into the structure that it protects the powerful mm. against yes, the weak. That's the problem. And as a result, I think as a point of principle, 
a journalist should never engage in defamation unless they unless it is a, a, unless a, they are accused of a very serious crime that they did not commit. Uh, that, that's just, that's just my out, view. Yeah. Use Charlie. Sorry. Something. <laughs> we'll accuse you of something on air. And yeah. See if you want to sue us for defamation it's, before we do something defamatory, I'm just going <laughs> to change the tone a little bit. Um, the other word I think for this year, which I think will go into next year, is whistleblower because yeah, you know yeah. we've um, we've obviously uh, recently been talking about. David McBride just this week in the news again has been the awful case in Tasmania that around the Ashley Detention Centre um, and Alicia, uh, one of the whistleblowers there, um, Nick Fike talked to us about when mm-hmm. he came in. Um, uh, one of the best podcast series of the year, I think, um, was um, from Mick Mo- Rick Morton on 7am looking at RoboDebt and one of the interviews mm. was with the whistleblower Colleen Taylor. Um, it's a really fantastic interview. If you haven't listened to that series, highly recommend. Um, then, of course, um, there's oh, – what's his name? The ATO whistleblower? Richard Boyle. Richard Boyle. Um, and I just feel like this is something that's just going to ca- – well, especially with the the launching, Kieran Pender launching mm. the, yeah, yeah. Um, the whistleblower project, it feels like this is something very unresolved – um, in our legal system and again the confluence of sort of law and journalism butting heads you know what you can write about what you can't um, it, it was interesting like a, a few weeks ago when some some reforms did come forward in the whistleblower uh, and press freedom space um, Attorney General Mark Dreyfus put forward some reforms and, and I, I won't go fully into them but there was extra protections for journalists it was it was not a good time for whistleblowers in those reforms but um mm. Journalists were a little bit more protected. And so, yeah, I think that... um, But then when people go to journalists, they seem to be particularly crucified. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, it seems like the government, you know, governments of all... Of all all stripes. Stripes want to uh, stop the whistleblowing from happening, but they they know that it doesn't fly for journalists Mm. to be punished uh, or to be Mm. raided, as we saw a couple of years ago. And so Mm. I think we can say at least that... that, um, the tide has turned on journalists and, mm. and press freedom, but it's it's now the new fight is for the whistleblowers themselves. But then also with, you know, recently, and I don't have the um, details, so I don't want to go too far into it, but when the ABC handed over... Um, um, some footage of protesters mm. in Western Australia. Oh, the Australia, Woodside. The yeah, Woodside. Yeah, yeah. Did that actually end up happening? I thought that they were... They did hand it over. They yeah, did hand it over in the end, yeah. Um, Just so many other bad things were happening. So it's like <laughs> what you're protecting journalists so that they can become incriminated, so they can incriminate their sources. I'm well, not sure if that's I mean, the way to do it. it's very Australian to dob. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we are co- colonizers we, after we, all. We are a, a nation of, of snitches. A nation of, <laughs> a nation of cops. But in a way, whistleblowing is also snitching. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, now I've got to rethink my whole view of it. No, no. I mean, I also, I mean, there's a thing of like the new Labour government. One of their first things that they did was to drop the charges against uh, Bernard Clary, the, the lawyer mm. of Witness K, kind of the, the long, long-running. Um, uh, whistleblowing case under the former government, so and but which is which is inarguably the right thing to do, but yeah. it does in underline with the stroke of a pen you could do this for all these other guys that we've been mm. talking about. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favorite podcast platform, and you can follow us on Twitter at Nadge Samble, at Lily Juice, and at the Shuffle Diary. 
You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this. <laughs> 